Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron and Greg and I are going to be talking about smartphone apps, specifically the apps that we use for mountain biking. And not just when we're on the trail, but also when we're planning a trip or getting to the trail or looking for refreshments afterward. You know, smartphones have become a really big part of most of our lives. And I know there are probably some purists out there who like to think that they can get away with riding their bike without using a smartphone. But I know for me personally, that's hard to imagine these days. What about you guys? Could you do it? Do you, do you rely on your smartphone a lot or could you get rid of it for a day? I actually forgot mine at home today and I'm feeling weird. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I could if I had to, but no, I mean, they become such a integral part of our lives, whether we like it or not. It's kind of, it is hard to imagine getting through a day without your phone. Feel naked? Yeah, I feel a little naked. Yeah, I mean, it goes everywhere with me. So, you know, it's hard to imagine not having it. And I mean, I'm sure we'll dive into this later, but one of the things I love about always carrying my smartphone is I always have a camera with me, you know? So sometimes I do or don't carry my bigger cameras, but if I've got my phone in my pocket, you know, I'm always ready to go. So that's always a a nice benefit. Right on. Well, let's start with the planning phase of any mountain bike ride. Mountain biking is pretty weather dependent. So, you know, it's going to determine what you're going to wear and maybe how your bike's going to be set up and all that kind of stuff. So what do you guys use for a weather app? What's your preferred app for checking the weather? Uh, I mean, just for like a quick glance, I'll use the built-in weather app on iOS. But if I want some more in-depth information, I use the Wonderground app, which is it's pretty interesting because both the the weather app on iOS and Wonderground are operated by the weather channel, but they can sometimes have conflicting forecasts. But again, the the Wonderground's better just because it's more full featured. There's radar, there's uh, kind of more in depth hour by hour, and just more details on that. So yeah, if you're planning a day in the in the back country, that that can be a little more helpful than than the the Apple app. Yeah, I recently switched to the Weather Underground app as well, uh, partially because of the better radar, as Aaron mentioned. But the other thing I found is that Weather Underground has many, many more stations to choose from. And this is partially because you know anybody can basically sign up to have a Weather Underground station and host one like at their house. And uh, as an example... You know, for me personally, there's a weather underground station in my neighborhood and the weather in my little neighborhood is radically different from both of the neighboring towns, usually six to 10 degrees cooler than Salida and we get much more precipitation. So, you know, checking the weather, just a, a 16 mile difference in, you know, makes a big difference in what the weather's going to do. So if you know, you know, where you're going to ride, if you can find a weather underground station closer to that trail system, you could get a much more accurate forecast and even checking like the nearby town. So plus one on that for sure. Yeah, that's a good tip. I actually use AccuWeather and I don't, there's no particular reason. I guess it's just the app that I'm used to using, but it's definitely helped me out a lot of times for mountain biking. You know, I, I'm sure Weather Underground has this same feature, but AccuWeather will tell you, for example, like how soon rain is going to start. You know, if there's like a storm approaching, um, and it's it's an estimate. It's not always exact down to the minute, but it'll tell you within 30 minutes, like how how soon it's going to rain if you're you know about to head out on a ride. And I ha- I ran into this 
a few weeks ago, there was like a big storm approaching and you could see this thing on the radar and, you know, I have a regular Tuesday night ride and I looked at the radar and thought, man, that looks like it's going to hit right about the time we're starting. So I decided not to go out, but a bunch of other people did. And sure enough, they got hit by it hard and everybody scattered and ended up going home, trees crashing around them and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I swear by checking the weather up. Okay. So what about once you're, you're sure that you're going to go out and ride, the weather's looking good, but you need to drive to the trailhead. What do you guys use uh, in terms of driving apps? I generally start with single tracks. So if, if it's a place I don't know, you know, or I'm not exactly sure how to get there, I'll look up in single tracks and you can get directions to the trailhead. And then that usually pulls up in some sort of mapping app. Uh, if possible, though, I use Google. Yeah, same for me. Pretty much anything apart from the Apple Maps because they still haven't figured that out. Don't know why. So, yeah, I use, use Google mostly, but then uh, Waze. Sometimes as well, that's good about giving you a heads up if there's speed traps. That's uh, one of the, the nice things about Waze with the, the crowdsourced reporting of hazards and police and that kind of thing. And, you know, living in Atlanta, um, especially, well, I guess the bridge is reopening next week. But, you know, we've yeah. had uh, we had a bridge collapse here recently, which turned our horrible traffic even worse. So. Getting out of town can be a bit of a, a bit of an ordeal. So sometimes I like to check both Waze and Google and just kind of see if there's a one has a better option because so, sometimes there will be between the two. You know, you'll see a different route that oh maybe maybe that'll be faster. So yeah, mostly Google, but a little bit of Waze in there as well. Yeah, I'll, I will second Waze for sure. I'm every day. I'm becoming more and more of a fan of it, and I'm finding, like you said, because traffic is so unpredictable you know there could be an accident on a highway and you know it adds an hour to your trip so i check it every time i get in the car now pretty much and it's amazing how different the routes are depending on the time of day and that kind of thing so i think ways has saved me a ton of time on those kinds of trips and then the other thing that i'm always amazed at is you know there are a lot of trails like bull mountain where you know i've been driving up to bull mountain for 15, 20 years now. So, you know, I assume that I know the best way to get there, but it's always interesting to pull up the Waze map for somewhere that you think you know how to get there. You think you know all the shortcuts, it will find even better ones. So yeah, I've I've really gotten a lot of use out of those kind of driving apps for sure. What about messaging apps? How do you guys coordinate your rides when you're going on a group ride? Texting, duh. Right? I mean, does anyone make phone calls anymore? <laughs> well, not phone calls, but there's other options out there. Greg, do you use anything other than text? Pretty much no. So in general, when I'm trying to contact somebody, I sort of have like a mental list of the best way to get in touch with people, and then I just use that. So yeah, text or Facebook message sometimes if it's like an acquaintance and I'm putting something together and I might not like have their digits, you know? Yeah, that is interesting, like you said, that... It depends on the person, and all of us have that mental list, too, where it's like, oh, he doesn't respond to text messages, but he does respond to email or, you know, Facebook Messenger. A friend recently told me that me and another guy are the only people that he texts, and everybody else is on Facebook Messenger. So apparently I'm, I don't know. (laughs) Give it the time. Right. I don't know if I'm behind or his friends are or what, but, yeah, every group seems to have sort of a different default messaging service that they use so 
that's interesting. Yeah, I had some people recently ask me what my WhatsApp uh, account was. And I was just like, sorry, I'm just, I can only do so much. <laughs> sorry, man. I use Facebook Messenger, you know, if I'm at my computer, but I don't get those kind of notifications on my phone because I don't like to be bothered that much, you know? I mean, with all the, you know, emails and calls and texts anyway, I, I don't, most, other apps, I always turn the notifications off just because I don't want to constantly be pinged for something else. So if I'm doing like a trying to organize a big ride kind of out and including people that are outside my, you know, regular riding buddies, then it usually starts out as like an email chain to a large group of people. And then as you go through, you know, the week or two weeks leading up to the ride, it kind of gets whittled down and then you get to, you know, the day before. And that's kind of when you switch over to, to text seems to be the best way to get a hold of people. At least that's what I found. Yeah. And I guess another endorsement for using text messages is that a lot of times you'll get text service in places where you might not get data service. So maybe it's slightly more reliable than, you know, trying to get your Facebook messenger messages or whatever. Yeah. You don't need four G's to send a text. Exactly. You, you can do that on like half a G. Yeah. So. Another thing that I use sometimes is lots of times if I'm at a ski resort there won't be any like cell service at a ski resort, but there'll be like Wi-Fi at the base lodge or something. So then in those circumstances, like I'll tell my wife, like, Hey, I'm at a resort, you know, and then we communicate via messenger because that like hooks up to the Wi-Fi. And, you know, so if I'm like riding the lift and then at the base area, you know, I can get out a Facebook message when I can't get out a text message, you know? Yeah. So, so complicated. <laughs> Does anybody even use like walkie talkies anymore? I feel like I tried that a few times on some rides and those, those never worked out very well. On a ride? No. I don't, I don't think so. I remember there was a couple products maybe like four or five years ago that were essentially like Bluetooth headsets that were supposed to allow you to, to talk to your riding buddy like on the trail while you were riding. Hmm. They were, yeah, they were like little, essentially a Bluetooth headset, like an earpiece and a microphone. So you'd be like, watch out for this route, bro. But, <laughs> Did you see me air that sick jump? Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know why you just wouldn't talk to your friend. It seems a little easier. I mean, because what's the range on that? It can't be huge, so. Yeah, Bluetooth, I wouldn't think it would be much. And those yeah. walkie-talkies, they always advertise them. You know, they, you'd buy them, like, in a two-pack, and they're, like, these little <laughs> compact <laughs> I mean, things. Well, otherwise you just I mean, you could have your own. You could have a really nice one or something, <laughs> and your buddy just has a junky one. But, but, you know, they would always advertise them as, like, you know, having a one mile range or something. And I never got more than like a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything sadder than a single walkie talkie? Yeah. It's just all <laughs> static. Sometimes you pick up truckers talking. Okay. So what about, all right, now we're on to the ride. So we're starting the ride. We're at the trailhead. What do you guys use to track your ride or to, you know, map your progress along the way? Strava. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I use for the majority of my rides because typically I already have my phone with me, so why not? It kind of eliminates another thing to carry along. I mean, that's what's so great about phones. It's like I can you know, I can get a hold of people, I can take pictures, I can track my ride, all that. I can get you know directions on the trail. Like Everything's right there in one unit. So uh, most of the time I use my, my phone for uh, – for the majority of my rides, if I'm going, you know, somewhere into the backcountry or on a longer ride where 
worried about battery life or something like that. I'll use my Garmin, and then after that, I it, I sync that with the Garmin Connect app, which is actually the Garmin Connect app is nice. It's just you know it's kind of a shame that Strava's made it uh, I don't know obsolete sort of because it's it, it works really well. But then uh, my ride pushes from Garmin Connect to Strava, so yeah, pretty much pretty much just the phone. I mean, because even if you you know if you're going on a long ride, your your phone will still work. Strava will still work if your phone's in airplane mode. So you can get pretty long day. I mean, up to, uh, I've done some, you know, six to eight hour rides with my phone fully charged in airplane mode and it's, it's lasted the whole time. So that's a little pro tip if you're worried about battery life. Yeah. So Greg, you mentioned you also use Strava. Do you usually just start and stop at the beginning or sorry, you started at the beginning of the ride and then just turn it off when you're done? Or do you actively sort of track your ride, see how far you've been, what elevation you're at, that kind of thing with the app? Well, unfortunately, Strava won't tell you what elevation you're at. I always find that kind of annoying because that's one question I always have. So, you know, I do have another app that I use to do that if I'm really curious. But uh, generally, it's just start and stop with Strava. Sometimes I check to see how many miles we've gone and how long we've been out for. Uh, for instance, you know, especially if we're doing a ride that's like three or more hours, I try to eat every 45 to 55 minutes so I don't bonk. So whatever I can use to track that, whether it's Strava or a wrist GPS unit or a watch, you know, uh, or just a clock on my phone. So that's generally the only reason I'm checking Strava. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of these people that, you know, if you'd asked me two or three years ago, you know, I would tell you that I was addicted to having a GPS or Strava on during the ride where I could see it the whole time. You know, I wanted to see like that 0.01 mile click off, like, <laughs> you know, I, and I don't know why, like maybe it was unhealthy. It sounds like it now saying it, but like, yeah, I always, always wanted to see that display. Um, but you know, over the last couple of years, I've gotten away from that entirely, mainly to save battery on <laughs> my phone. But yeah, I found that it's super easy to just, you know, start Strava at the beginning of the ride, throw the phone. A lot of times I throw it into my pack, you know, it's not even like probably not getting a great signal there, but yeah, just leave it in my pack the whole time and then try to remember to turn it off at the end. So really, yeah, I use it more as like passive data collection and um, try to ignore it during the ride. That is unless, you know, I am lost or say I'm looking at a map and need to know like, okay, what mile marker am I at on this loop or the elevation? That's the thing. That's a bummer that it doesn't give you the elevation in Strava because a lot of times you might have like an elevation profile and you know, say that the high point on the ride is like 8,000 feet. It's nice to know, like, am I at 7,800 or am I only at like 6,000, you know? So yeah, maybe that's a feature they can add. Yeah, the app I generally use to calculate the elevation if I need it is uh, Mountain Bike Pro, which is another tracking app, and it's got maps in it and you know stuff like that. It's made by uh, Runtastic, but that'll give you your current elevation, which is always nice. So do you run that in conjunction with Strava, or is it like you decide at the beginning of the ride which one you're going to need? I pretty much never use the other app unless I want to check the elevation. <laughs> like you just pull it up like just to check the elevation and then you close it down? Pretty much. Yep. Huh. Interesting. So Strava, get on that. <laughs> okay. So now we're on the trail and, you know, I just talked about needing to check your position to make sure you're not lost or determine how much farther you have to go. So what do you guys use once you're on the trail uh, to navigate? 
So I use uh, above and beyond a paper map, which is probably my go-to. I use three different navigation apps for various things. So the first one is definitely single tracks. So, you know, and that's our app. Um, but single tracks is my favorite for navigating in the back country. Thanks to the great topo maps that we have. So we have really accurate uh, topo lines and lots of backcountry trails on those maps, including some less used routes. So especially if I'm way out there, that has really saved my bacon a few times, especially doing some like overland navigation when I've like absolutely lost a trail and it's disappeared. But to do that, you know, you got to make sure you download those files offline first, which got that functionality. But so that's why I'm a big fan of that out there. Yeah, you got to remember to use it. Yeah, you got to remember to do it beforehand. <laughs> So there's two other major navigation apps. Another one is called Trail Forks, and uh, I use this app for creating my own route through a complex trail system and also figuring out where I am in that trail system if I'm unfamiliar with it. I just find it is uh, best for that. But the thing Trail Forks won't tell you is like the recommended route. Like if you've got a pretty complex trail system, you're like, well, what the heck? You know, what trail do I want to do next? So the best app I found to give recommended routes is MTB project. And it'll generally show you like sort of a recommended loop through your trail system. But <laughs> the hang up is I find that one difficult to use for navigation. Like for some reason when I pinch and zoom in it, it clicks on a different trail and then I lose the route I'm trying to follow. And it doesn't like sync up and show me where I am very well. So I'll say I often use all three of these apps at the same time for different things, uh, depending on like, how lost I am. Yeah. Good point. And yeah, all those apps, yeah, like you said, they each have their own strengths and weaknesses and a lot of stuff too. There'll be certain trails that are in single tracks, but maybe not in the others. And then the converse is true as well. Trail forks and MTB projects might have some trails that the single tracks app doesn't have. So at this point, I think a lot of us do use multiple apps uh, to figure out exactly where we are. So what else beyond the mountain bike specific apps have you used on the trail? Aaron, you use something called Gaia? Yeah, so I use Gaia GPS. Um, I got this originally as a, a backup for my Garmin when I did the Hurricane 300 in Florida this year. So that's a, a bikepacking race through central Florida. It's like 345 miles, and obviously there's no signage, so you need to follow you know, a GPX route. So I had it as a backup just because, you know, if something happened with the Garmin, which I mean, things can, I didn't want to be out there not knowing where I was going. So I read a lot of reviews about this Gaia GPS app. It's kind of on the pricey side. I think it was like 15 or $20, but it's a one-time fee. And basically it just turns your phone into like the most badass, fully featured GPS unit. You know, it has like everything you can imagine from, you know, from a, a GPS unit, but with the the ease of use of a smartphone. So if you can use your phone, then you can use the Gaia. I mean, there's a lot of features on there. There's a lot of different layers um, you can choose from. You can download offline, you know, maps for offline use. It can be a little overwhelming at first, but they actually have some really good tutorials on YouTube, some video tutorials on how to use the app. So I found those really helpful when I was prepping for the hurricane. I mean, luckily, I didn't need to use it. My Garmin worked great for the trip, but uh, it's, it's still nice to have nonetheless. And I still use it a lot for 
creating routes. And you can do that. You can do that on your phone, but uh, I find it's kind of tedious doing it on your phone. Uh, so you can do it on your desktop and then sync it to your phone. Seems to be a, a much easier way, except for the uh, Apple Magic Mouse, which likes to zoom in and out crazily on maps, which is <laughs> super annoying. I wish they'd fix that. It does it on Google Maps too. Um, but yeah, you're just trying to scroll around and then all of a sudden you're looking at Italy for some reason. <laughs> Yes. So, Greg, you mentioned that you prefer paper maps for a lot of things. And one of the sort of hacks that I found is that I can use my phone's camera to take a picture of a paper map. Sometimes when we're talking about paper maps, we're literally talking about something, you know, off your printer at home. And those things tend to get soggy when you ride and tear apart. And that's no good. So, um, I like to, if I'm, if I remember to do it, I'll take a picture of it with my phone and that way I can pull out the phone and, you know, pinch and zoom to figure out exactly, um, what I need to see on that map. And then I was thinking about another time, Greg, you and I rode at, uh, we were riding in Chattanooga, I think. And this was like years ago. This was like five, six years ago. And there was like one of those QR codes on the trailhead kiosk that lets you download a map. So you just like, you know, hit that QR code and then it pulls up a PDF on your phone. So I remember we used the PDF to navigate that trail. And then similar to that too, you could take a picture of the map posted at the trailhead. You know, if there's like a big detailed map, but you know, they don't have paper copies, you can just snap a pic and should be good to go. Yeah, I've done that before too. That's a good tip because you really can get some surprising detail with your phone once you zoom in. So another uh, thing along with the PDF uh, file is that some of these trailhead kiosks are taking PDFs to the next level. So with the, an app like the Avenza PDF navigator app, basically you have a geotag PDF within that app and you can actually navigate across this image map, which is pretty interesting. So that's a lot easier for a lot of, trail systems and local people to implement because you just basically upload it to Venza, take the corners, and then you're good to go. We use those on our local trail systems. And uh, one other thing I'm tinkering with that I haven't done a ton of use with yet, but I'm pretty stoked for is similar to creating routes in Gaia, you can create routes uh, on Strava and save them to your account. And then once you've created that route, you can pull it up on your phone and use it to navigate. Then a couple times on the road bike, but I'm looking forward to trying on the mountain bike soon because I uh, created a pretty, it'll be pretty chill, like 53 mile, like overnight bike pack loop through a pretty complex trail system. And since there's so many different turns in this trail system and I already like picked out what route I want to do beforehand, hopefully I can just pull it up on Strava and just follow it around. So I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, I, I use that. Uh, feature in Strava myself too, creating routes. And like you said, it, it is really good for the road, but it's a little bit trickier off once you're off road. But I think that is there. Strava had a survey recently to ask mountain bikers what kinds of features they wanted. And it sounds like that's one of the features they're considering is making that route builder work better with off road trails. So that will definitely be nice. Okay, so now again we're we're in the middle of the ride here. We're navigating the trail system, but for 
certain situations, we might need to get in touch with somebody who is either with us on the ride, like they got away from us or got lost, or uh, we might need to get some communication from back home. So what do you guys do? How do you handle communication during the ride? Do you take phone calls during the ride? Like if you hear your phone ringing or do you check your text messages or how do you handle that? Yeah, I don't answer my phone when I'm riding. And generally though, I also don't usually don't have cell service to begin with. So it's generally sort of a non-issue. Uh, if it comes to communicating with people, like better just not to get separated in the first place, you know, because if we do get separated, like there's no guarantee that I'm going to be able to call him or he's going to be able to call me or whatever. Like one of us could be down the trail in some random canyon and have no service. So uh, it's extremely unreliable. I just wouldn't rely on it at all. Yeah, I know for me, you know, I do a lot of riding in town and there's usually a good sized group of us. And one of the things that we do, especially if someone shows up for our group ride and it's their first time, uh, we'll make sure somebody gets their phone number so that we can contact them if they get lost. A lot of times people will just peel off, you know, they're just feeling tired or, you know, have a mechanical and they're like, they just disappear. And so we're like, you know, it's a no drop ride. And so a lot of times we're <laughs> like, well, we got to go back and find this person or at least like call them and, or text them and find out like, did they just go home or are they like in need of assistance? So yeah, for that, a lot of times we use phone because, you know, text, text messages just have like a little beep, but like your phone, it's going to ring and hopefully you're going to hear it. Cause it is hard to hear a phone while you're riding. And a lot of people use, you know, there's like your, a lot of the Garmin GPSs have it where you can like sync it up with your phone so that if you do get a text message or a voice call, it, it buzzes your Garmin or, you know, if you have a wristwatch, there's some of those where you can get those alerts on your wrist. And I found that it sounds dumb and it's like, I don't need that, but I've tested some and it's actually kind of nice to, to get those because you still ignore them, but at least you know that it's there. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what really happens on the Tuesday night ride is Jeff drops a hammer on the road and just <laughs> loses everybody. So it's it's a no drop ride as long as you can as long as you can go twenty five on the road on your mountain bike in between the trails. <laughs> that's my one skill that I have. Yeah, everybody comments on that, but I don't know, I don't know why that's night train. Yeah. I don't know why, why that needs to be commented on. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's why people get lost. But no, I I, uh, I I typically don't answer if I'm on the trail. If I have my my Garmin, my Garmin is set up to sync with my phone, so I can see if there's a text message or a call coming in. Um, typically, I mean, if you know, if someone calls and they only call once, then I ignore it. But obviously, if it's someone calling, you know, two times like back to back, it's probably best to stop and see what they want because it might be important. Yeah, so another class of apps that I've used or considered using during the ride are the the kind of apps like Find My Friends where you can actually see on a map where somebody else is. Um, and it's it's pretty creepy, you know. I, I don't, <laughs> I've never used it for that, like, because most I don't want to know where most people are. Yeah. Um, and you can set it up to, like, temporarily allow people to see your position. Um, and I know Google Maps actually added this recently to their app. So it's something to consider if, if you are worried about losing somebody or getting lost yourself, um, you can at least, a lot of these, you can temporarily allow someone to see your position, uh, which, which could be, could be useful in an emergency. Yeah. That seems really big brother to me. 
I, I got to draw the line somewhere. Well, I'm glad you say that. Cause I was going to tell a story about you, Greg. One time. Yeah. One time you and I were riding together at uh, five points in North Georgia and Greg lost his phone. Like it fell out of his pack or something. And so we spent literally two, maybe three hours riding back on the trails. We hadn't even ridden that far. We had only ridden maybe 10 miles or so. And we had planned to do a lot more. So it wasn't a big deal for us to, you know, do those 10 miles again looking for the phone. But, you know, the whole time I was trying to think of ways that we could expedite the process a little bit. So I was, I was like, okay, well, maybe we could call Summer. Greg's wife and ask her to do find my friends and she can tell us where the phone is. Greg's like, Oh no, I don't do that. I was like, okay, well maybe we could do the like lost your iPhone thing. Like, you know, find my phone. Greg's like, Nope, I don't do that either. <laughs> so it got us into a little bit of trouble that day. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, you just don't risk. He's got it like, yeah, gorilla taped onto his, his bike. So he doesn't lose it. But yeah, I mean, the funny thing about that too is once we finally did find it, it was in a spot we had looked at least like three times. We had passed right by that spot and somehow we didn't see it. And it was, I mean, it was right in the trail too. So that's, I guess, a lesson that if you lose your phone on the trail, it's not easy to find, even if it's in plain sight. Okay. So we're still during the ride here and we want to take some photos or videos. What do you guys use for taking photos? And how often do you do that? Is that something that you do during the ride? You know, as much as like, I love to be in the moment, I also love to shoot photos. And for me, that's part of sort of embracing the moment is like capturing the beauty around me. But generally, like, I don't like to post to Instagram and upload stuff during the ride. Because again, I'm again, my goal is sort of be in the moment and really enjoy the experience. So generally, I just like pull out the phone and like, uh, with most of the latest OSs, you can just like swipe your home screen and it pulls up your camera without having to like log in or do anything. And then you know, you can be taking a photo within seconds, which I find pretty cool. So that's what I use most of the time to take a photo. But pro tip, sometimes, and I haven't figured out when this happens or why it happens, but sometimes if you do that and you're running Strava in the background, it's going to like cut out your Strava and I've lost like half my ride before. So then usually I end up like putting the photo away, opening Strava back again to make sure it's still running, which ends up being kind of annoying. And I've experimented with it to figure out like why it does this. And as far as I could tell, I have no idea. So anyhow, it's kind of random. So something to be aware of, but I use Instagram for sharing my photos a lot, which I really enjoy. And I've actually started playing with Instagram stories more, which has been pretty fun. Uh, the only catch is that you actually have to shoot that live from the Instagram app. But the one nice thing about stories is again, if you're in the app, you just sort of like swipe right. It pulls up the camera and you know, you don't have to hashtag it. You don't have to like do any of the other crap. You just sort of take the photo and press send, you know? So that's kind of nice. Yeah. In the same way I use my, my phone to take pictures on occasion. Um, I like taking, I actually really enjoy taking pictures as well. I kind of noticed that when I first started riding, we used to stop and take pictures all the time. Like, and that was kind of part of the ride and it was fun. And then we kind of got all like racy and serious. <laughs> and I've kind of tried to, I still race a lot, but I kind of try to separate that out. And, um, uh, when I'm racing, I'm racing. And when I'm not, I'm just riding. So 
Yeah, some of my friends that uh, I ride with are still very much in race mode. They don't like to stop for anything during a ride. So it just kind of depends on who I'm riding with and, you know, kind of what we're riding. If there's something cool that's worth taking a photo of, I'm going to stop no matter what. But, uh, yeah, typically don't upload much during the ride. Uh, again, it could just be a function of not having service or just not wanting to stop for that long. But, yeah, I will agree with Greg having the the ability just to, like, swipe and then grab a photo real quick is, is pretty handy with the iPhone. Yeah, I use the stock photo camera app on my phone during the ride as well. And I also use it to shoot video. I've, I like the video on it a lot better than GoPro, um, or at least, sorry, not GoPro specifically, but helmet cameras. Because one, you don't have like the fisheye effect on it. And two, the color and quality just seems to be a lot higher on the phone. So I do try to shoot like short videos, obviously nothing that's like mounted to me or to my bike, but I do like taking videos with my built-in camera app. And then speaking of GoPro, now we're talking specifically about the brand. The companion app that they have is actually pretty good. It's getting better all the time. I've used it a little bit. I know a lot of people use it all the time and I've used it a little bit and have found it is super handy for dialing in the settings on your camera. And I believe you can even preview shots and make sure that your camera is lined up the way you want it to be, which is super helpful. You know, just yesterday I was shooting some video with a different camera model and, you know, it has like a built in little screen on it where you can preview stuff but it is so hard to tell what you've got on that so if you have like a companion app on your phone it's it just makes it so much easier to get your video dialed in yeah so sony has a similar app i think it's called play or something like that um to go with their action cams and uh it actually works really well it's probably one of the best things about the their whole setup because the, the cameras take really good video their still shots are not very good for some reason i don't quite understand how you can have like a 4k camera that takes you know garbage stills but they did it um (laughs) and the form factor is a little uh a little weird compared to the the gopro it doesn't fit in as quite as many places um as as you'd like but yeah the it allows the gives you the ability to preview shots which is super handy like jeff was saying and then you can also edit clips from your phone itself which i've found to be really helpful i mean i could put together you know a quick little like 30 second to minute long edit while sitting at dinner you know after after the ride so that's that's been uh, a pretty cool app to work with speaking of editing don't be taking photos and then just uploading your raw photos to anywhere we don't want to see that stuff but one thing i do use are a few basic editing apps on my phone uh, because I don't like the editing functions in Instagram aside from like one function. So uh, one of the editing apps I use on my phone is an app called Camera Plus, which you can use to take photos from the app or you can pull in photos that you've taken with your stock camera and do basic edits to them, whether that's like color correction or cropping or whatever the situation may be. And there's a few other uh, similar apps out there that will add effects and do edits and make your photos much prettier and people have no idea you took them on your smartphone. Nice. That's a good pro tip. Okay. So we're finally 
at the end of the ride. We're done with the ride, and we are time. We are hungry and thirsty. So, what do you guys use, especially when you're traveling or riding somewhere out of town, to find the best places to eat and drink? Google. I don't know. I mean, I literally, I literally search everything on Google. And what's amazing is even within the Google Maps app on your phone, you can find restaurants, you can see ratings, and it'll show you hours for the restaurants. It'll show you menu. So, I mean, that's literally what I use, especially since it can allow me to visualize how close it is. Um, because if it's like the best rated one, but it's like you know, 20 miles away, you know, I'll go for a beer at the second best rated one. That's like, hundred feet away, you know? So, so I use Google to search all that stuff. It's my favorite directory for phone numbers and hours as well. Yeah. They also show you like popular times so you can see like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't go there because it's going to be really busy. You know, if you're, if you're hangry yeah. and you can't, can't be waiting that long, then, uh, yeah, you might want to try somewhere else. But yeah. I use Google usually just search for the closest Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Simple guy. That's right. Well, yeah, you, you guys are right. Google is getting just so much better at that, you know, being able to find places, seeing photos of the restaurant and, you know, dishes people have taken pictures of and ratings and all that stuff. I used to use Yelp, like, as a standalone app, but like you said, most of that stuff is in Google now, so there's little need. And then I also use a, an app uh, to track the different beers that I've tried and it has a cool function the app is called untapped and it has a cool function where you can search for a particular beer so if you're like man i could really go for an old chub right now greg wouldn't say this because he doesn't like it but (laughs) but i do i I like old chub and so yeah you like put it in and it'll tell you the closest restaurant that has that on tap or whatever so that's pretty neat yeah I do want to give a, a shout out to TripAdvisor. I mean, TripAdvisor is pretty similar to Yelp, but I've just found this app to be pretty useful for, especially if I'm like in a bigger town that's got a lot of options. I'm like, I want steak right now, or I want burgers, you know, and that will give me good ratings. Yeah, just all the beef, really. So, and and even uh, I find it really good for searching lodging too. So if you're like road tripping, you're hopping place to place, find TripAdvisor to be pretty good for choosing hotels and not spending a bajillion dollars. So, uh, Yeah, uh, on that note, I say Airbnb's app is pretty good too for, for finding lodging for cheap. Yeah, and I'll add on TripAdvisor too. It's good if you're looking for another activity. You know, you finished up your ride early and you're, you know, staying somewhere out of town or you got family or people with you that, you know, want to do something else. Yeah, it's a great app for finding those other activities too so cool i think we've covered a lot of apps here that have run the gamut of all the different ways you can use your smartphone related to mountain biking if you enjoyed this podcast or if you're looking for more recommendations for specific apps for mountain biking be sure to check single tracks where we've done a couple of roundups of different apps for mountain biking specifically ones for finding routes and then also other ones that are sort of tangentially related to mountain biking like we discussed here today that's all we've got this week talk to you again next week peace